Buckle up! It's showtime! It's time for the green room with Sean Green. Oh, no, he's back! Let's go! On with the show! All right, let's do it. All righty, then. Let's get started. And now for the moment no one's been waiting for. Dudes, check this out! Welcome, everybody, to the green room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by 24-7 Comedy. Make sure you check them out on the iHeartRadio app. And check them out at 247radio.com, all over the web, of course. And as always, sponsored by Amazon. You go to SeanTGreen.com, you click that Amazon link, and you support the podcast. Oh, man, it is Christmas Eve. I am back east, huddled up in the little setup I got here. It's cold, it's freezing, but it's Christmas, right? So first off, also... I want to say thanks to everyone uh, in the Lehigh Valley who came out to the local show for me and Johnny LaQuasto. Man, awesome turnout, great time. Got some recordings from the show. I'll be posted on the website hopefully in the next week or so. Really, really, really appreciate the support. Great time. Yeah, Christmas, man. Just brings out the best in everyone. And I thought, hey, brings the best out in people and in podcasts. I put together a green room Christmas special that highlights the best of the year. But what better way to start things off than a little holiday, some holiday movie reviews, some Christmas-timed movie reviews from our movie reviewer, Mr. Stud Manley. Stud, how's it going? Hi, Sean. How are you? And Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. I'm doing great. I'm just enjoying the holiday season, having a great Christmas, and, you know, the part of Christmas, you snuggle up against the fireplace, you throw on some old Christmas classics, or hey, you go out, you go to the movies, you get the family together, and you go you go check out and uh, see what's playing at the multiplex. So what's, uh, what's going on in the movie world? What have you seen lately, or what movies have you reviewed? Well, uh, it is Christmas time, Sean, and at this time of year, there's usually one Christmas release, a Christmas-related film. Unfortunately... Yes. This year, there's only one of those films, uh, and uh, I'm not going to tell you the name of this film. Uh, it is <laughs> it is from a foreign country. Uh, oh no! And it is a particular foreign country that looks as looks at pedophilism as a pastime, uh, <laughs> a symbol a symbol of uh, you know raising up in the world, and it's really quite disgusting, but I will tell you what the film is about, and I think you'll okay. find that disgusting enough. Uh, <laughs> simply, it is about a talking chicken who saves Christmas. Oh, well, that's a, that sounds like fun for the whole family. What's wrong with that? Well, I think it's not very realistic to begin with. Chickens don't have lips. They can't enunciate uh, certain consonants correctly, <laughs> like your F's and your P's. And so you feel like this is uh, kids shouldn't be exposed to this kind of stuff. I, I yes, I knew you would understand. That's why that's <laughs> why I only call this show, Sean. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate that, Stud. Now, what if now that's a Christmas release? But what if I'm hanging out at home and want to check out uh, a Christmas DVD? Do you have any any recommendations as to what I should, you know, go for or what I should uh, avoid? Oh, there there are some pleasant. Uh, uh, old-time Christmas DVDs out there that you can spend time with family, like Miracle on 34th Street, which I've never seen, but I've heard it's, it's, a, it's a nice family film. But there are certain films, because as you say, Christmas films are usually a family, uh, for a family-type uh, setting. But there, so there are certain films uh, that you should make sure uh, that you don't rent accidentally, and there are a couple of ways that you can tell if you're getting a an, a Christmas exploitation type film, which usually is in the pornographic uh, uh, region. And the, the two ways to tell if you're getting an improper film for your family is like if in the title, if uh, it's, it says something about maybe Santa Claus having anal sex or Santa Claus fisting his elf, something of that nature, you'll know it's probably not a good family film. And the other way, of course, if you can't tell if it's a, it's, it sounds like a, a, you know, a good family film, but 
not sure, you can usually look at the uh, cast, at the people starring in the film, and if their names, uh, if they have nicknames in their film, something that tells you that maybe they have an oversized penis or an oversized vagina, then that's also a good way to know that you're not getting a proper family Christmas <laughs> film. Okay, so if you know if they have regular sized genitalia and there's no Christmas related um, calls that you know if he says Santa Claus is coming to town and come is spelled C U M, you should avoid that as far as DVDs for your family. Yes, very yes, very good. <laughs> well, now. Now, now I am I am kind of excited. I was a big J.R. Tolkien fan uh, reading the novels growing up. I'm really excited to see The Hobbit. Do you have any? Do you have a take on The Hobbit? Have, have, were you able to go out and see it? What is The Hobbit going to be as good as everyone's making it out to be? Well, there's a problem uh, with The Hobbit. Uh, of course, I'm not going to see this film, and there's a very good reason for it, uh, Sean. And there's because uh, you've read the books, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm sure in the book there's nothing in there about a giant-sized gremlin, or is it a goblin? I'm sorry, a giant-sized goblin with a scrotum chin. Is there anything in that in the uh, token? No, book? I, don't, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember anyone, any character being described as having a scrotum chin. Well, there is a, a, a character in this film, and it is a giant goblin, and he does have a scrotum chin, and it is also a fact that censors had to force Peter Jackson to delete certain scenes where this uh, giant goblin was scratching his his chin in a very gratuitous manner. So, oh, okay. So you wouldn't recommend it simply because of the scrotum chin? I, I, yes, and it's quite, it's like a, not only is it grotesque, but it looks like there's only one testicle inside, inside <laughs> in there. Well, that's that's horrible, Stud, and I, I I'm definitely not going to go out to the the movies and and see that with my family. I've heard uh I've heard some good stuff about the sessions. Now I don't know exactly. I've just heard people say you got to see it. I haven't stuck around to hear the whole pitch why. But have you? What's your take on the sessions? Well, the sessions. Uh, this is a film. Uh, Helen Hunt. She hasn't been in a film in a few years, I guess. And uh, oh, thank God, she's back in the. Uh, she, theaters. She's a nice uh, actress, uh, pleasant enough to look at, but um, I'm not sure why she chose to be in this film. Uh, the problem, this film is basically about a uh, uh, like some kind of a crippled person, a quadriplegic, who uh, pays <laughs> a uh, high-priced, a very highly educated uh, prostitute to have sex with him. Now, what I guess the filmmakers are trying to do, make it everybody feel sorry for these, uh, you know, handicapped people. Uh, like they never right. have sex, but the the fact is, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that and it's a proven fact. It's in all the medical journals that practically 100% of males who become male nurses do so in order so they can give unsolicited hand jobs to a quadriplegics, and it's it's a proven fact. <laughs> well, I did not know that. I I thought. I thought they got in for, you know, the benefits and the steady work, but yeah, wow, I did not think of that, and I'm glad you're opening my eyes to these medical facts. Well, that's why I, and now, you, have a, uh, you have an inquiring audience as well, and I'm sure that uh, those who... Sure. It's good to know. It's good to know why guys get into the nurse. I was always kind of curious, to be honest. I thought, hey, what's the appeal in being a male nurse? Now I know. I appreciate that. I did uh, see a movie that's getting a lot of hype, and it's potential Oscar buzz, and that's the movie with Denzel Washington, Flight. Great great movie, right, Stud? Well, Flight, Sean, um, well, this is a movie, of course. I'm not going to see this film, and there's very good reason for it. Uh, I guess Denzel Washington's supposed to be, uh, give a very good performance, and he shows his buttocks, like, uh, you know, and it's not a very attractive buttocks from what I've heard, so I'm not sure why he wanted anyone to see it. But the problem with this film is, Sean, that it's not shedding any light on anything new. Uh, it is a proven fact that basically 100% of every of all pilots are all drug addicts. Mm -hmm. And it's a proven fact, and I'm yes. sure you, you're well aware of that as well as I am. So I think they missed, yes. they missed the point when they made this a drama. 
So that's what I was thinking, Sean. You know, I'd like to remake this movie, but make it a comedy. And I think you probably wouldn't get involved in this. We've been talking a long time about getting together and uh, making a movie. Yeah, no, this seems like a project. So what, what I was thinking, and I'm sure you'll you'll think it's just wonderful, but instead of starring uh, Denzel Washington and John Goodman, who was his drug dealer in the drama, we would have it starring Richard Gere as the pilot, okay? And he's mm-hmm. he's addicted to amyl nitrate. And his oh, yeah. sidekick is going to be like his drug dealer, you know, his amyl nitrate supplier is going to be Rod Stewart, you know? And it's going to be like a whole comic <laughs> thing there because he spends almost the whole movie in the hospital getting his stomach pumped the whole time, you know? And then the big scene, you know, like when in the Denzel Washington movie, when he shows his butt in this movie, when Richard Gere shows his butt, a gerbil is going to stick its head out of his butt. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, that'll be, hey, even in the trailer, you know, we put that in the trailer, you know, and show it to everybody. Everybody still going to want to pay money to see that movie. What do you think? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Now, normally they don't they say don't work with kids or animals in movies, but I think this comedy flight, your remake of this comedy flight, I think that would be the one exception, stud man. Our, our remake, uh, Sean Green. Oh yeah, our remake. Sorry, yeah, I forgot how much uh, how much I play a role in this. All right, stud, we have time for one more of your patented movie reviews. What's your take now? I got to be honest, I didn't really seem that excited about this guilt trip movie. I mean, it's Seth Rogen and Barbara Streisand. It seems like two totally different fan bases. But why uh, why the hype for guilt trip? I don't understand what the hype could possibly be about. Uh, this movie is coming out the same time as Seth Rogen's friend, uh, this Judd Apatow movie, which I find a little strange. So I think there's a little tension going on between the two of those, okay? This is for yeah. the Judd Apatow movie. I believe it's come out today or Friday. But my problem with this movie, more than anything, is, is there's no realism. I mean, who in the world would want to take a cross-country trip with a Jewish woman? Exactly. Thank you, Jesus, you know, for all my participation, <laughs> and thank you for making me a part of this wonderful show, The Green Room Show. Thank you, Sean, and tell Logan, you know, I just love him with all my heart, okay? All right. Well, God bless, and a Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Stud Manley. Thank you. Oh, the always wonderful and outrageous Stud Manley. Well, Stud Manley, definitely one of my favorite characters and uh, one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Norm MacDonald is a guy we seemingly end up talking about a lot on the podcast. I was able to bring on Sean O'Connor, who wrote for the Norm MacDonald show, and we just geeked out and uh, told some Norm MacDonald stories. So gather up for a little Sean and Sean talking about Norm. But yeah, I mean, like just that tone. Like he taught like all of our the guys our age, like yeah, this new tone, and also kind of made us above bombing. Yeah, like because Norm always came up above <laughs> bombing. Like he was totally willing to bomb. Like, <laughs> yes. If you like go back on and watch Weekend Update, he is bombing week after week. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what the, everyone was saying uh, when he got fired. They were saying, oh, it's because you made too many uh, – they said, OJ, you know, Norm made too many O.J. Simpson jokes, and Don Olmeyer was friends with uh, O.J. Simpson. It was, like, one of the few guys that, like, stuck behind O.J. Simpson. But then also, Don Olmeyer was like, everyone says it's because O.J., but no, you, you listen to the tapes. The people are not laughing in no, the audience. Laughing. There's, one, there's one thing where he, uh, he's talking about – I guess it was during Soon Yi. Like, and, like, uh, when he had a joke about Woody Allen and showed a picture of his new girlfriend, and it was that Vietnam picture with, like, the napalm. (laughs) And, like, the silence after that picture. He was just like, okay. (laughs) Well, they, um, Norm, I guess, uh, I remember in the Saturday Night Live books, uh, Norm, he mentioned that particular joke because they were asking like did uh you know did uh lorne michaels ever say like hey you can do these kind of jokes or you can't do any kind of jokes and he's like that was the only time he came up to me and said it would be a bad idea to show this photo and they said i just said fuck it <laughs> like his his attitude is just yeah he's he's like the ultimate bad boy of apathy like it's such a um yeah it just cracks me up 
Yeah, like, and his some of his funniest stories are like. Uh, I remember one. He said he he played some college in Iowa or something, and he they, I guess they expected it to be a completely clean show, and his act was like <laughs> filthy, and like half the people walked out, but the other half that stayed there were like going nuts and thought it was like the best show of all time, and then. And he was booked there for, like, the whole weekend or as a part of some charity thing. And the next day there was, like, a charity golf tournament. So he just still went to the golfing thing. And he said some old guy came up to him and said, you're not welcome here. <laughs> He's like, I literally got run out of town. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love those stories. Like, he had, his, his stories are the best. Uh, there was, like, one apparently when he was on SNL he did at college. And he just uh, – the college show started at 8 and uh, he left the city at 7.30, and it was like an hour and a half away. So he showed up at like 9.30 for this <laughs> show that started at 8. And they had a college opener who did an hour before. Oh, God. <laughs> then he, like, they were just chanting norms. <laughs> so he like ruined this guy's night. And then he goes up, and for the first five minutes, they're so excited to see him. And then he said, there's nothing clicked in their head. Where they had just been duped into watching this college opener for an hour, <laughs> yeah. and they just booed him for the next fifty-five minutes. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy! Oh yeah. So now that's a—I mean, honestly, that sounds like a dream gig. How did that? How did that come about? Oh man, I like completely lucked out on that. I uh, I wrote this script like a bunch of years ago, like four years ago, five years ago, and then. Uh, like a theatrical? Yeah, like just like a, like it was like, a, I guess like a, a spec pilot that I wrote for no reason, just to get my feet off the ground. <laughs> and then uh, this lady uh, read it, and I went and met with her, and she was like, what's your dream job? And Norm had just been picked up, and I said, Norm. Oh, wow. And she used to run Comedy Central. Oh, really? And uh, she was like, I, I'll make, I can make a phone call. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, you should probably make that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, I had to, like, go and meet with them and, like... Uh, he, so, yeah, like, so what is Norm... I mean, imagine Norm has to meet you before you get hired on as a writer. Oh, yeah. What's what's Norm MacDonald like in the job interview? Um, well, <laughs> it, he was filming promos for his hour special that aired last year. Yeah. And he was uh, just filming the promos and, like, he was, like, dressed as, like, a hockey player like, <laughs> with Mr. Met. And he would just come over and talk to me and my friend Doug, who also got hired. Yeah. And he just kept making sure that we weren't weirdos. <laughs> but we gave off, like, such weirdos because we were just, like, lurking in the dark for, like, hours. And then he took us out for dinner, and it was, like, the best thing ever. But I didn't say a word to him for, like, the first three weeks. So you're just sitting, yeah, okay, like, the first three weeks, you're just like, hey, don't, you never know, he could be this weird Hollywood guy, and you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess it up, and plus he's, like, my hero, and I had met him <laughs> once before, like, my friend Julian opened for him at Caroline's on my birthday, so he, like, brought me backstage. And then he talked to me for an hour about how the kids in the hall are gay. <laughs> so, That's so. the other thing. He, for some reason, Norm gets a pass on all gay jokes. Like, all gay jokes. The, yeah, Tracy Morgan, uh, you know, I mean, Tracy Morgan says the craziest things, but he said one thing about gay people. He had to go on this, like, apology tour. Yeah. And <laughs> Norm and- I, I think it's because Norm is totally willing to joke about himself being gay. Like, yeah. he's always doing that. So they're like, wait, everyone's just confused about it. <laughs> Yeah, like, he'll go on Howard Stern and say, like, fag and, like, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, he'll also say, like, oh, yeah, I love cock or, like, you know, just totally ridiculous stuff. I, I guess for whatever reason he doesn't uh, get, you know, people don't get pissed off at him. No, you can't. You I mean, can't as you should, but. Him. Like, because, like, that thing that happened with Corolla recently where he said all that stuff about ladies not being funny. Yeah. If you listen to Norm on Howard Stern, <laughs> yeah. like, three years ago, he talks about for about 20 minutes. About how only Sarah Silverman and Roseanne are funny. And, the rest all <laughs> and he goes, yeah, Roseanne's funny, but it's even in a masculine way. Like, her punchline for, like, years was just suck my dick. <laughs> well, uh, he, yeah, he had a great line where it was, um, they were asking, I guess uh, Laura Keitlinger was on a Greg Fitzsimmons show and said, like, her, when she went to Saturday Night Live, she had a real hard time adjusting. And there was supposed to be this mentorship program set up and norm was going to be her mentor and it didn't work out or whatever and so she was like had a bone to pick with norm and norm's like <laughs> they played the clip for norm and he's like wait he's like i'm supposed to teach women how to be funny he's like first off that would imply that i think women can learn how to be funny <laughs> and then he goes 
He goes, I mean, just think back to high school. You remember, you would hear a, an uproarious laughter and you would run over. And who was it in the middle of the group? A woman. <laughs> he was just yeah, going so out. It was always the broad. Yeah. <laughs> Sean O'Connor, Norm MacDonald, doesn't get any better than that. But, uh, you know, sometimes we, uh, a lot of fun stories, but sometimes here on the green room, things get a little bit serious. As it is the story with our next guest, Ty Rivera, who talks about his time spent in Phoenix, where he was actually the victim of a drive-by shooting. So you're hanging out in 55th Avenue in Phoenix. Yeah, and I didn't know that, like, you know, they don't put that yeah. in the paper. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not like, you know. It's pre-social media. They're not on, they're not tweeting out their territory. Yeah, and so I didn't know, and, um, uh, you know, like, the, they came by and started yelling out, you know, their gang name, but, like, they have, like, a, a abbreviation, I guess you would call it, or a nickname, and so they were sa- saying, like, doble, and, um, you know, that didn't mean anything to me. I wasn't from there and didn't know anything, you know, and so... So um, they, they just drove by and were yelling out the window? Yeah, they started yelling it, and then the guys I was with started yelling uh, yelling shit back, but I was, like, too busy with the keg, and I was, like, <laughs> you know, drinking, and I was just, like, like you someone know. want to uh, raise my legs up trying to do a uh, sweet keg down here? What's <laughs> going <stupid>. on here? <laughs> guys, guys, we got beer pong, yeah, right? Enough, enough of the yelling. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I was just like, you know, whatever, but damn, they're stupid. You know? <laughs> like, I love your just like blase attitude. Whatever, this gang jumping in is lame. Whatever, these guys are stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was always, uh, that really was my thinking. No, no I was like, great, this is stupid, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, I was drinking my beer and then um, we're all sitting there and my sister was hanging out too, my older sister. And then um, all of a sudden she was like... Um, that car just shut off its lights because, you know, it was like at least five or ten minutes later. So we weren't even thinking about them anymore. You know what I mean? Probably closer to So they just drove by once and then parked somewhere, shut off the lights. Or maybe went for a cruise around okay, the block. Yeah. or You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, like none of us were thinking anything about it. And my sister – and I never pay attention to anything, you know? Yeah. So my sister noticed that, you know, this car shut off its lights and she was like, that car shut off its lights. But I didn't even pay attention again. I was just like, you know – Whatever, you know, I didn't think anything. And then I started hearing, because one time when I was at camp, somebody set off firecrackers, like a bunch of them, and it was like, pop, 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 pop. And that's the same as it sounded to me when they started shooting. So I was like, in my head, I remember being frustrated, like, who the fuck is the idiot with the firecrackers, you know? Like, in my head, that's what I thought. And then um, the guy, one of the guys that I was sort of related to, you know, um, pushed me on the ground. Like, out of my seat, my chair, my folding chair. And I was thinking, like, in my head, like, why the fuck did he push me on the ground? You know what I mean? Nothing was making sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) And it all happened so fast, you know what I mean? And so then they were like, um, then everything stopped. And they were like, you know, I heard people yelling, they were shooting, they're shooting. And so then it started to sink in. And I was like, oh, shit, people are shooting at us. And then um, they were like, is anybody hit? And then, like, you know, I remember, like, a jolt to my leg, and then I re- but it didn't feel like anything, and that was right before I got pushed down, and so it was all that happening, you know? And um, But, like, what had happened was my body had gone into shock. I didn't know that, you know what I mean? But my body had gone into shock, so um, it felt basically like my leg was asleep when everything settled, and they were like, did anybody get hit? I was like, can somebody check the bottom of my shoe? Because I figured since my leg kicked up, it probably hit the bottom of my shoe, if anything. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I was like, can somebody check the bottom of my shoe? Because I think. And so then they came over and they went to lift my foot. And when they went to lift my foot, then they were like, you're bleeding. And then, you know, blood oh, was geez. coming out. So. Get rushed to the hospital and they take it out. Eight and- hours of testing. And, uh, you know, they put in this. Um, I don't know what it's called, but, like, they put in this, like, shot type of thing in your, like, inner thigh, basically. So that they can inject this ink into you. Like, for a second, when we were in the ambulance, they were like, you know, because of the way it is, it could possibly have to amputate. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I was able to. It's crazy that they're already telling you that that early. Yeah, I was able to keep it together until they said that. You know what I mean? Like, I really wasn't. Because, like I said, my body had gone into shock, so I wasn't in pain. Yeah, no, I mean, I was. was, Now, I don't. It's not comparable to getting shot, but I was involved in a construction accident where essentially. basically a trailer and like a 
you know, like a giant uh, bobcat. So it was like maybe 7,000 pounds landed on my foot. And then it, like, drove forward and then drove back. I pulled my foot out, and I broke my foot, like, you know, horrifically bad. Like, in the middle bones were, like, 90 degrees. And I don't remember ever feeling any pain because you're just, like, the adrenaline just – I don't know if it, I quite – I don't think I really went into shock, but just the adrenaline pumps you so hard that uh, your body just kind of acclimates to that crazy trauma. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's and, – like you know, and the other thing was the other thing I was going to explain the reason that they didn't know for sure if it was ricochet or if it had just been like kind of a clean shot, but just at a weird angle, was I was sitting like this when it happened. So you were so sitting like, there with your leg kind of crossed over your other leg. Yeah. So, so you like, couldn't tell. Oh, okay. So all right. So, so now I, that makes sense. So your one leg's kind of perpendicular. You're propping up on your other leg that's on the ground. So you kind of all right. I can yeah, see. So maybe. Bam. Kind of comes through there. Wow. Yeah. So now, what is what do the folks say? Mama uh, and Papa Ty Rivera. Yeah, they were not happy. Of course, you know what I mean. Like they were really worried, and like my mom was crying. Yeah, it's tough to it's bad. tough to be angry. They're probably just so glad you're all right, and then yeah, crazy story. Don't worry, guys. Ty Rivera alive and doing very very well, touring around the country, doing his stand up comedy all over the place. You know, traditionally, comedians are seen as lovers and not fighters, and that couldn't be more true for this next guy, Steve Hernandez, stand-up comedian, and as it turns out, a swinger. So listen to Steve talk about his polyamorous relationship he has with his wife. We tried threesomes, that didn't work. We swang for a year. So we now, tried what is, swinging for what's, it. What's the difference between like a threesome and a swing? We're polyamorous, so now we are currently polyamorous. That means that we I, we believe that it's okay and good to have real emotional relationships with other people, to love more than one person. Oh, okay. Yeah. So swinging is just fucking. It's like sport. Like we've gone to like mansion parties and there's a big club called Freedom Acres that uh, is like the craziest thing you've ever been to. You pay 80 bucks. Okay. Okay. And you go in half of it. And it's, I, Sean, you have no idea. I wish you could <laughs> fucking understand what this is like. And it's like a club. You walk in, it's a club. Swingers, though, are mostly in the 40s and shit because they've been married and they're like, oh, this they're is bored. Yeah. yeah. So we were like a pretty hot ticket item. Uh, but you go and it's like a club, just a regular club. You bring your own booze. And then after you drink for a while, there's a back area. And in that back area, you guys can't go alone. They have to be with a woman. But then there's like tons of different rooms and built up areas. There's a huge room with like 20 mattresses in it. There's rooms little pride away so you could just go get couples. But there is just Caligula type stuff. Mad fucking like orgy type situations going on. That was fun for about a year. Now do you get, do you get burned out? What's the, like now after you finish, you're sitting in this like orgied warehouse. Is there kind of like a moment where like, get me out of here? Are you, do you, do you get freaked out at all? Um, I'll tell you what, uh, usually there's a lot of drinking going on, so it's not a big deal. Like, you, you like, just rest up a little bit, and you're still watching people fuck. Like, no matter what anyone says, no matter what you look like, when you're watching people fuck in front of you, it's like the coolest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> it's like being on it's drugs. It's like a zoo of sex. There's other mansion party we went to, I'll never forget, the first one we went to, we, I was just fucking Stephanie, doggy style, and then right across from us on another mattress, this other woman, cute chick, was getting fucked doggy style, and she was just looking me in the eyes. Wow. It was better than any drug (laughs) I've ever done. It was crazy. Yeah, so uh, if you're drunk, I did go there sober once. Sometime I was taking a break. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) It was disgusting. They have a, like, buffet all the time, and that was gross. Everything about it. I fucked some lady. Then I was like, we got to get out of here. This place is disgusting. It's disgusting. Right. You yeah. really need to knock down your inhibitions, and I would imagine to kind of get to that animalistic level, because you just look at it from, if you're totally stone cold sober and just looking at it kind of as you typically look at society, there's got to be some freaky weird oh, yeah. moments there. Some Greek sh- mytho- yeah, Dionysian. We got to get drunk <laughs> and just have orgies. But, you know, it was fun. Now, all right. So, okay. Now, like you said, a lot of plate spinning. To me, you talk about being polyamorous, having you. I think just recently you were talking. You just broken up with one of your girlfriends or girlfriend. Now to me, that just sounds like you're working. You have a wife and stand up comedy, and then you have a girlfriend. To, to me, this just sounds like 
I don't know. For me, time wise, one relationship is enough. How do you kind of how do you kind of factor in or how are you even motivated like to take another girl out on more dates and be invested emotionally? It becomes uh that's a real issue and it becomes less and less like attractive. So like right now, up until you know, I've been married, we just had our four year anniversary. But I'm just getting I'm getting to a real healthy place like I'm just like my sexuality, like I'm so sexy right now, Sean. <laughs> Like in terms of like how much how much money I'm making and how how much I love stand up and just how good I am at communicating. I didn't drink for a long time. It's just like the the ladies are flocking. And I think for the past year you kind of just yeah this is great this is fun. But you're absolutely right now right at this point I'm like okay, but I want to build something that's real and that's concrete. And as much as those things are fun and I have a great time and they're even meaningful to me. You only have so much fucking time in the day. So yeah. in terms of stand-up and even my wife, like, you know, this is a woman. I, I took a girl out. We went to a real nice restaurant. And <laughs> it ended up being uh, – she had a couple of glasses of wine. Ended up being 150 bucks. Uh, <laughs> and I thought when I was paying that bill – and, you know, I had sex with the girl and everything after. And it was a good time. But as I was paying that, because my wife's and our money's mixed. And I don't take advantage of her. But as I was paying that, I was like, if I'm going to spend – 150 fucking dollars for dinner. I want it to be with a woman who is, loves me and helps fucking, has turned me into a good man. <laughs> I don't want to be with this, you know, nice girl, sexy and shit. Now, now, all right. So you take a girl out on a date. Yeah. Um, you come back at the house. Any sort of follow up questions? Is it just like the military in the late nineties? No don't ask, don't dwell. <laughs> like, do you just, just no acknowledgement of it or like let's say you're, you're telling me earlier your wife likes to plan every little thing out. Yeah. It's very organized, very regimented in that yeah. sense. Um, so if she says, hey, tomorrow at 6 o'clock we're meeting uh, so-and-so. That doesn't ever happen. Okay. So we're like – I have to say the second week of December I want uh, – I'm going to be doing something on this Saturday. <laughs> so you just – you, you, be, you be real ambiguous and just say, hey, I got some me time penciled in later. Yeah. I, the five weeks I want December 5th, that Saturday. Saturdays are very rare and special. So I was like, okay, in five weeks I want that date. And, you know, she doesn't ask any questions. But she's not a jealous type. Like if she dated people, I would be fucking throwing shit through <laughs> windows. Steve Hernandez. What a character. What a comic. What a crazy, crazy, well, just for me, crazy sexually. That 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 sounds like a lot. Definitely out of my world. But I'll tell you one thing, guys. You know what's very in my world? Going to a party, getting into some trouble. These next two guys, Justin Decker and Scott Lures, both got beat up for apparently no reason. Two separate stories, two comedians getting beat up for no good reason. Uh, already drunk. We're going to a frat party. Someone had, uh, ecstasy. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just take the ecstasy. <laughs> and then we went to a frat party and, like, I didn't know, like, you know, you're supposed to be around other people who are on ecstasy. And, uh, we were just, like, I wasn't in the frat. I didn't know the guys. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was just, like, amazingly happy. I just remember, uh, playing foosball. And just like giving people high fives, and I was having such a good time. <laughs> and then, out of literally out of nowhere, I just didn't understand the vibe of the room. And uh, a guy just punches me in the side of the head, throws me outside. Uh, this is at San Diego State in uh, Fraternity Row. And then, like, they kicked me in the face, dude. I was just on E, like, what? <laughs> You can't just do that to somebody when they're like having a time of their life. I can't imagine getting beat down uh, while high on ecstasy because ecstasy is yeah, it's ecstasy. You feel great. You feel you really absolutely amazing. sober up. But yeah, it's just like that were switch. You, were you doing anything that like would have gotten you in trouble, dude? The, the th I had no idea. People told me the next day I was just way happy and it just pissed them off dude it was annoying everybody, it was annoying everybody. i just love yeah. the story of you high on ecstasy being uh, really into foosball giving too many high fives at the point yeah. that they're like yo we gotta fuck this guy up. i don't remember what i said so, maybe i said something but it wasn't bad it, it must have been good but taken the wrong way so you couldn't you had no capacity to fight back or anything right no, there was just three You're dudes. You're just glad and, someone was yeah. touching you. <laughs> yeah, they were just like, like you sober up real quick. Uh, I was like, I'm yeah, this is bad. Dude, I had I got uh, beat down by like six Nazis one time. 
Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Right now, uh, Scott, where did this happen? This happened in lovely Glendora, California. Uh, it's by the by the Chatterbox. You okay, yeah, Chatterbox. Okay. So um, I went to college like up the street from the Chatterbox. Say a bar. What's the area? Uh, that's Covina. Covina. That's Covina. Covina. That is Covina. Yeah, just outside of Los Angeles. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve and uh, Scott run a cool uh, comedy show out there. Good times. Great crowd over there. Yeah, it's a fun show, but it's always weird for me because uh, like five miles up the street is my Christian college that I went to. So yes. it's always sort of like looming over me as I like blaspheme on stage and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, I used to live in this town called Glendora, which is like maybe like 10 minutes north of Covina. And Covina is like a shitty town. You know, it looks like a shitty town. Yeah. Glendora looks like, like the nicest suburb on the East Coast you've ever seen. Like somehow it looks East Coast. There's a few towns I hear that pull that off, like Claremont. And, like, this town, they look like it's an East Coast town. And that whole town is, like, just super rich, like, racist white dudes. Yeah. And uh, we were at a uh, local watering hole. We used to go to the Continental. Now, uh, real quick, how old were you? Uh, 21. 21. Yeah, Okay, like so 21. you're going to college still? Like, senior year, yeah. It's, like, our last year. Actually, it was my last year, yeah. And uh, we used to go to this, like, really shitty bar in Glendora because the drinks were cheap. There was, like, a 90-year-old bartender who would pour Long Island's real strong. And, uh... We see this cr- crew of dudes, and they're, like, all shaved head, like, like just rich, like, white kids, though. So you can't take them seriously. Like, at that time, I didn't take them seriously. <laughs> yeah. And we're just all getting fucked up, and we have, like, one Asian chick with us or something. <laughs> and, like, I like starting bar chants. That's, like, one of my things. <laughs> and these guys really like starting ones, too, but theirs are, like, really intimidating bar chants. So they got up and just started circling around our table and yelling shit, like, we run this town. We run this town. And I was like... I was super drunk, so I was like, oh, yeah, you run Glendora? <laughs> yeah, like, big deal. So when you come uh, back, yeah, they so, appreciate it. Yeah, but then we go to leave, and, like, a bunch of them are standing outside my car. One of them's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> what? Dude, it is, like, crazy, like, crazy shit. And I get in my car, uh, like, just kind of go around them. They're, like, talking shit. Get in my car. Start the car. Start trying to put it in reverse. The guy with the bat standing right behind my car. So I just start backing up. <laughs> so I'm like, he's not going to fucking move. And then he comes around inside. He's like, you trying to hit me, man? You trying to run me over? I'm like, no, I'll just try to leave. And I also am wasted. <laughs> but my window's down, and he punches me in the face through the window. Whoa. Like, Fuck. So I just drive off and go home. <laughs> oh, the problem was one of them lived caddy corner across the street from where we were running our house. What? They knew where he lived. This is like a super small, like, shit yeah. town. So they come rolling over. I'd already passed out. I'm, like, blackout drunk. Yeah, I'm passed out. You're like, all right, some guy punched you in the face. I'm at a bar. I'm drunk. Yeah, I'm going. I got away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the guy punched you in the face. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. I'm drunk. Yeah, uh, just pass out of my I place. I get home. I hit a bong. I throw some Zeppelin on. <laughs> I got to sleep. You, know? you still had enough yeah. energy yeah. to like well, smoke some weed and listen to some yeah. Zeppelin. You got to. Yeah. But then, like, <laughs> 20 minutes into my blackout drunk sleep that I was 11, uh, my my roommate at the time, Rusty, who I think you know, he uh, yeah. Did Rusty fire is uh, yeah. He's done a couple of flyers for my yeah. shows. Very talented artist. He was my roommate the whole time, and uh, he comes in and starts waking me up. He's like, "You got to come out here." I was like, "Why?" He's like, "The Nazis are here, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they want the you to apologize." <laughs> so I'm like so fucked up, and I walk out to the p- patio, and I see that they've a bashed all the windows in on all of our cars, and then uh, b they've smashed like the. Uh, the bay window, like in a front yard, I'm like, oh, this is fucked up. All my roommates are being held down by other Nazis. Oh, and my I just, God. I go out there, and what? the big one, he's like the biggest dude, he comes up to me, he's like, won't you apologize for trying to run me over? And I'm like, uh, I'm like so drunk, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, man, I'm sorry. He's like, no, I want you to kiss my boot. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that. <laughs> I've seen enough movies. This is a trick. Yeah, I'm going to get my face kicked in. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then he just starts beating my face in. Uh, wow! Yeah, and it went Whoa. on for like maybe like a minute or two of him just punching me and all my roommates being held down, and then the cops showed up. Oh my god! Yeah. Jesus! And, all right, so were they gonna were they gonna keep beating you? Like the cops came up and that's what stopped like, it? I don't know. Like you can never tell because you think these guys are like <laughs> fake pussies, but yeah. then like they are beating the shit out of you. <laughs> so like you I guys are posers. Yeah. Like I could never have imagined walking into that bar that this is how the night was going to turn out. Like, I just never even thought. Like, you see a white dude, you think you're chill. You, you, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you don't think anything's going to happen to you. Yeah, you think, okay, yeah. hey, push comes to shove. We're on the yeah. same side. Yeah, we're and I've never right. really been in a fight before. I was always able to, like, talk my way out of it, like, joke my way out of it. Yeah, and not Scott. This time. No, no offense. You're not a big guy. I mean, no. what are you, what, 150 pounds? No, I mean, I'm husky. 
but I'm not big. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I weigh 150. I'm five foot six. Yeah. No, you're not like an intimidating dude. And no, not at you all. Talk shit about Glendora. Then it must have been what it was. <laughs> I, man. I, I, I so know. when the when the cops show up, what what happens? Did guns so, drawn? How, how crazy no, does it get? Not guns, but they also like this town is so small. Like, the cops know these kids and stuff. Oh uh, wow. So it's just like they don't really want to do anything, but then there is a cop who does want to do something, and he got them all on DUIs because oh. they had driven there drunk. Not me on a DUI, which <laughs> I ended up picking up later. Like, so. dude, I got, yeah. I got, <laughs> no I got beat deal. up. Don't give me a DUI. But uh, they gave him DUIs, and then one of them had pot in the car and, like, no uh, prescription or anything. <laughs> so they gave him, no like, loophole. shit about that. We had to go to court, and, like, they pay, They had to pay for, like, our windows and everything. But, like, it went on. Like, there was, like, intimidate. Like, I worked at the round table down the street from there. Yeah, And the dude that beat my place. ass, he would come in and order pizzas from me. Oh, yeah. And, and just, just like, eye you there. down? What would he say? He just ordered pizza. He wouldn't even say anything else. He'd just stare me in the eye. And he had a handlebar mustache and all that shit. And he's like, like a foot and like probably two inches taller than me. Now, did you ever think to do anything to that pizza? Or no, fuck no, man. <laughs> you learned your lesson. No, and this is that's like the most embarrassing thing is I didn't try and stand up for myself at all. I was just telling the story to my girlfriend the other day, and she asked the question. She goes, "Well, did you try and fight back?" <laughs> and I was like, "No." And I was just like, "I'm not a man." <laughs> Man, the thought of Justin getting beat up while high on ecstasy because <laughs> he was just having too much fun playing foosball. Too much. And then Scott Lures getting tracked down by Nazis at a round table pizza. Man, that story just had a little bit of everything. All right, guys. Last clip of the Christmas Best of Special. And it is a uh, very special story from a very special man. This is Josh Androsky talking about the time. He went to Price is Right while he was high on mushrooms and got called down to be on the Price is Right on mushrooms. I felt like I had to say that a couple times just for it to sink in how crazy, crazy of a story this is. Enjoy. All right, so Josh, you get called down to the Price is Right. Take us through there, your mindset, how you're feeling, what's going on. Oh, my God, dude. It was – so you don't need mushrooms to trip the fuck out on being in the studio. Like, everybody grew up watching that studio. Yeah. So I'm tripping out. I that just, stage looks like candy. Dude, the stage is candy. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't lick the walls, but they probably taste like bananas <laughs> or chocolate or something. But it like, is it's overwhelming visually and sounds. Yeah, they're just shooting lights at you, and there's music, and there's like old people dancing with kids, and it's just super weird. And I Drew Carey's hitting on a lot of chicks in the audience. A lot of chicks that are really old and really unfortunate looking. <laughs> That's the thing. Like when you do come on down, they don't tell you that the ugliest people in the world go to the Price Is Right. They're <laughs> right. just shaking hands with like ones and twos, <laughs> maybe like three beer twos. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of Midwest housewives that watch the show during the day. They're probably not working or on disability or whatever, hanging out during the day. So they, they enjoy the show. They come on out to California, do their big trip, try to get on. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're beautiful people on the inside. Right. Don't get exactly. me wrong. But on the outside, <laughs> oh, not the case. <laughs> Basically, probably the direct opposite of the chicks modeling the cars and prizes yeah. for the prices. Right. It's a wonderful yin-yang. <laughs> they're probably, I'm going to go out on a ledge and say awful people on the inside, but yeah. very appealing on the outside. Absolutely. That was one thing I noticed. I guess maybe it was somehow tying into Soaps Week, but they had a dude, uh, Prices Right guy. Yeah. Basically, a Barker bro. I don't know what the term is, but just a, a dude presenting the prizes, just like, "Hey, I'm a guy in a jeep." It's like, no, you're supposed to be a hot chick in a jeep. Well, I think they What's realized. I think they realized that lonely housewives and old women on disability are the only people that watch The Price Is yes, Right. Yes, but it was right. created back in a time when television was like, "All right, sex sells," and the yeah. idea of having guys. This was when. You, a man was a man, and the idea that you could, you probably couldn't even get guys who would want to model cars and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, do you mean I don't get to drive it? Yeah. Right. Are you going to stand by it? Uh, Fuck gonna... this, I'm going to the war. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you mean I have to whiten my teeth and, and get, get my eyebrows waxed? Meanwhile, now there's probably like, a, you probably have to hook up with someone just to get an audition to be the <laughs> to Parker be the Bro. The Drood. So you're tripping pretty hard. Oh, um, yeah. Admittedly, you took a lot of mushrooms yes. before, and you're you're on there. So just kind of generally overwhelming, the experience being there? Super overwhelming. I, I, uh, I don't know. You know what's weird? Like, 
there was this weird calm that sort of just went across my head. Like I was tripping. We were drunk too. Like it wasn't just that. And then there, there, I had had a lollipop. You like the, <laughs> for those of you that don't have legal weed, you can't just go to a store and buy a lollipop that's full of weed. We can in California, and boy, did we. Uh, so I was just, I had all these things going on in my head, but I just had this sort of like, like very gentle calmness, like wash over my brain. I you, felt seem, like, you seem relaxed up there. I, I was so relaxed. Okay. Now this is you, um, to set it up visually, you're wearing a Dolly Parton hat, a big pop a of, Dolly Parton shirt. Sorry. Dolly uh, yeah. Parton shirt, a big pop of hat. And I think this is your first bid. You're the first guy and this is your first bid. Closest to the actual retail price without going over. Uh, Big Papa, we're going to start with you. <laughs> For that, I'm going to bid $1. $1. Oh, no, so you're, the, you're the first guy, and you start off with the $1. Out the gate. Got to come out strong, you guys. I'm sorry. I didn't go to the prices Right to make friends. I went to the prices Right to win. $1. This is, again, you and, uh, you and Drew Carey mixing it up here. Big Papa hat, Dolly Parton shirt, bit of dollar. I'm a mystery, dude. Wrapped in an enigma. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, that is just a great line. Yeah, You're just calling awesome. him out, getting in his thing. Now, I know they took out – we got a uh, – We got a, well, let's just get to this and then we'll, we'll, cut, we'll talk about what they cut out. Now, this is you. You end up winning. Your dollar – your continued <laughs> bid of $1 eventually pays off. Yeah. Now, what did you – What that already aired so you can talk about the prize. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, boy, did I win the worst prize in the history <laughs> of the Price is Right. I won a chocolate diamond ring. Oh, a chocolate diamond. That sounds really cool. I'm sorry. The, you're, you have a brown ring? <laughs> did, did somebody take a shit on your ring? No, it was already brown. And it doesn't even taste like root beer. It's now, just a gaudy, awful. Have you gross. gotten the ring? I have the ring. It's sitting on my dresser. I'm going to pawn it off. <laughs> oh, I thought at first it was made of chocolate. I was no. like, well, that yeah, that's worth less than a dollar. <laughs> you had Logan interested. All right, what's this <laughs> chocolate, chocolate diamond? No, they just call it a chocolate diamond ring because they can't call it a brown ring because exactly. no one would buy it. <laughs> and sadly, even the actual chocolate rings are still made of chocolate blood diamonds. It's a, it's a slippery slope. All right, <laughs> yeah. now this is, this is you up there. Basically, once you get called on, up there uh, talking with uh, Drew Moore. Uh, Joshua, uh, I can't wait to hear. Uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a skateboard rabbi. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> and we were talking about what we should say our occupation was in line because they kind of – if you don't know about The Price is Right, basically they bring you in groups. They interview you and essentially they're casting people. They either want someone who's high energy, someone who's in a big group, someone who's like a wedding. What a, yeah, an want, adorable old lady or yeah. you know like a sassy. It's a know. TV show. So they really yeah. do kind of cast it. They want personalities. Right. So we were – it was like 20 comedians and we're like, oh, we are – we all can't say comedian, so right. people are just saying other jobs or, you know, what kind of they do during the day. This was like one of my favorites. <laughs> well, I was getting, I was just kind of, I was tuned up in general, and <laughs> I was just, and they were like getting closer and closer, and I don't have a car, I really need a car, a lot of pressure. I was like, make this good, Green, make this good, and I panicked because I didn't want to say a joke occupation, but I didn't want to see something boring, so I settled on, I work in an office, but I really love having fun, and I just said it, <laughs> I said it all basically in one. One sentence and just scared the crap out of the guy. The guy followed up by saying, "What do you do when you're sober?" And I, and I just go, uh, "Have fun." And I like <laughs> turn to people for the applause, kind of like, "That's right, right." And and then uh, Josh nailed it with skateboarding rabbit because it's one of those things. Obviously, you're, you're a Jewish guy or just anything with religion. They can't. They can't fuck with you on that. No, they can't. They're not going to say, oh, you're not a rabbi. You were, but, I mean, Drew Carey knew that you weren't a skateboarding rabbi. Right. But they, it's like one of those things where it's like funny, interesting. They can't really call you out on it. It was, it was the perfect Well, they call. did sort of. And this is what they cut out. And it bummed me out so much that they cut this out. Because once I said that, it, dude, Drew got fucking serious. Like, Frost, he Frost Nixoned me. He was like... <laughs> So how do you incorporate skateboards into Judaism? <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> it's like, uh, and I just pulled this line out of my ass. I don't know where it came from, but I was like, well, Drew, we go to local high schools and try to turn religious extremism into religious extremism. <laughs> like held up the big X. 
And like the audience loved it, but like Drew Carey fucking, I think, I think he bought it. I think that made him act because it sounded enough like a bumper Yeah, no, it sounded like, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounded sounded like like enough of a, uh, enough of an actual line and it's funny i was doing a show and i i went and talked to him i was like hey i'm friends with the skateboard rabbi he's like cool and i saw something on twitter where people are like tweeting him when the episode airs like who's this skateboard rabbi and he's like um I, I guess some other people had ran into him at another show and talked to him briefly and he's like yeah I, i'm starting to doubt whether this guy was actually a skateboard rabbi but you you i think you might have sold him during the show it was it was pretty great so now this is the the last memorable clip. Unfortunately, he did not win a trip to see the Jazz Festival in Atlanta. Jazz Fest! Which would have been awesome. I'm sure it would have been a fun time. Oh, so at this point, they, they like sit me down. And, and I'm like, thank God I'm off that stage because the lollipop really started kicking in and I was fucking flying. <laughs> like I had a jetpack on and I was just up in the stars at this point. And then I think I'm out of it, think I'm done. And then uh, some Kenneth the Page-looking motherfucker like comes out to me and is like, "You ready to spin the wheel?" And I wanted to say no because I wasn't, uh, but it, I was like, "Yeah, totally." And that thing is huge. That thing is so much bigger than I thought it was. And like, I didn't want to be that weakling on TV that didn't spin it around all the way. So like, I was just like, you know, the studio was breathing. I was like, I had to take every good vibe in the fucking studio. And I just pulled down that wheel and it spun, dude. It spun like six times. I was just like, fuck you, dad. And then Drew Carey sticks the mic in my face and asks me if I want to say fucking hi to anybody. Yep. Here we go. The, the audio is not great. Great, but I think you can make it up. My brain broke. I want to say hi to somebody? Oh, uh, yeah. Happy birthday, Tess. And uh, I want to say hi to um, everybody who loves music. Sure, why not? That's nobody. <laughs> that's so great. He's like, uh, that's nobody. Trying to tag your joke. You had, you had the highest thing it. in the world. The highest thing anybody's ever said on television. What'd you say? Who loves music? I just, I just want to say hi to everyone who loves music. Yeah. Oh. Who do you want to say hi to? Everyone who loves music. Like my voice was gone. <laughs> you oh. sound like you'd been through hell. And that'll do it for 2012. Thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the podcast. Really appreciate it. And, hey, anytime you guys want to post, spread the word, rate on iTunes, tweet, whatever, that really helps. That really makes a difference. I know it puts me in a a jolly, holly mood anytime anyone else turns anyone else onto the uh, Green Room Podcast. Appreciate it. Got a lot of big stuff coming in 2013. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what we're going to do in 2013. But, guys, trust me. I will guide this pod ship through the good night. We'll figure this out. We'll continue doing it live as we do every week on ShanTGreen.com. This has been The Green Room. The Green Room with Sean Green. Keep up the great work. See you later. Download archived episodes at 247comedy.com and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. You should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only 19. And he was many years older But he seen her walk by in them tight jeans And he looked at her like, that's my queen Cause he thought that he could mold her But it's over, yeah. no Larry was a 39-year-old dude Who was getting over divorce and a custody